I'm John the Video Guy, and you are listening to The Post Show. On this episode, I am joined with small business owner Bert Gerstnecker. Bert owns and operates Moving Frame Media in the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania market. We talk about his story and his journey from starting out editing DV tapes to now using Livestream Studio on large-scale multi-camera video shoots. We cover a lot about Bert's different transitions and obstacles that he faced moving from one technological advancement to the other. So get ready for a very intriguing talk that I believe you can get a lot of value from and apply it to your own career as the future of video progresses. So without further ado, please help me welcome Bert to the show. Bert, welcome to the show. Hey, John, how's it going? Good. How are you? Very good. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to have you. And I'm excited for our talk today because you started your own company, Moving Frame Media. And uh, for those that don't know you, can you talk a little bit about your backstory and how you got started with the company? Yeah, I, you know, I feel like a lot of people in videography have sort of the same story. Um, We start out doing one thing, sort of interested in videography, and then um, there's some kind of a transition and and you flip fully into it. So I went to school for, I went to Youngstown State uh, for civil engineering, and um, I worked as an engineer afterwards for a number of years for a super small firm in my hometown. And during school... Um, my girlfriend got me a Sony mini DV camcorder. And what was amazing about that camcorder is you could load the footage onto your computer and with, you know, free software, cheap software, you you could, you could have like NLE software and, and, and edit. Um, the, the problem with those, you know, the pinnacle studio style entry level NLE software is it crashes every five seconds you know you'd you'd make two moves you'd edit like um i don't know you'd make a a cut somewhere and it doesn't know how to reference the clip perfectly to the root clip so it would crash what year what year was this oh, gosh probably 2004 maybe i want to say 2003 gotcha um so the maximum output that you could do is maybe a 10 minute video unless you wanted to just really tough your way through a 20 minute video or something, but, but 10 minutes was about it. And it was in like 240 resolution. It was so low and it, but it, at the time it was amazing. So I started shooting like friends and family's weddings. What I would do is I would borrow other people's handy cams and it was better if it was a Sony handy cam because I knew the software um, and I, and I knew the menu out, uh, you know, layout. Um, and what I would do is I, I didn't even own any microphones. I would just put another handy cam near the bride and the groom, um, and use that as only an audio source. So I was doing more and more weddings and people started to, Hey, here's a hundred bucks. We filmed my wedding, you know, 40 hours of work later. Thanks. You know, it, I, I appreciated it back then. It was, it was like side cash, you know? So I guess, how did you transition kind of like that, you know, side hustle type of, mentality like you said the hundred dollar you know thing you work 40 hours a week on it you know but it's a good opportunity how did you trans uh kind of transfer from that going into your business so i got a real you know a real a nine to five job uh after school and more and more people were asking me to film things this and that and this and that and and finally the request got to the point where hey do we spend some money and buy a real camera and do we buy a real computer? 
that that's the real thing. You know, the camera can be anywhere from, you know, a used $50 camera all the way to a million dollars, but the computer is where the, the meat of the work is going to come from. So do we invest in this or do we not? And, you know, it was kind of one of those things. Anyway, in 2011, we bought two cameras so I could do multi-camera. Uh, so I could, I had something to cut to. Um, and we bought an editing computer. Uh, a buddy of mine actually built me an editing computer and I, you know, I was able to afford it because he saved me so much cash in building it himself. So anyway, it, it was actually a little bit of lightning in a bottle because this was at the exact time where new digital cameras had come out and all of my competition was still using mini DV tapes. So, and those guys couldn't afford to go out and buy two or three or four uh, 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 digital media cameras. They, they had to use the tapes. And, and the problem with the tapes is it's one-to-one -one transfer. So if I record one hour on the tape, I have to wait one hour for one tape to, to load into the computer. So my turnaround was a lot quicker. And then it just spiraled out of control. Uh, and, and, you know, we had at one point we had three crews running and, and weddings were just every weekend we had six or eight weddings and the, the editing got overwhelming, but um, it stopped being my side hustle at that point. Yeah, absolutely. And that's very exciting. I remember those days too, like digitizing, uh, like many DV tapes. <laughs> you had to have one computer just for data in transfer. And then the other computer you could be editing at the same time. But I don't know how those guys, you know, a lot of them did make the jump to digital, but it, it was expensive. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, talk a little bit about your business structure. Do you have like, how big is your team? Is it just you or do you have kind of like subcontractors? Can you go a little bit more into that? Yeah. So, you know, the dream at the time when we started was to become this wedding machine, this event machine um, and sort of build a name for ourselves that way. Um, so at, at our peak, we had three crews. Um, I took my top two guys and let them each run a crew of three. So we invested in some gear for them and, and, and um, you know, the ability for them to, to be able to go out on their own uh, and, and bring me a good product to edit. Now, when Monday comes around, you have eight weddings to edit. <laughs> uh, that becomes problem, uh, problematic. So now you're subbing out editors. Um, and we weren't big enough to bring in full-time editors back then. So, so it would be subbed out. And then it was very structured and, and, it didn't give, I still had a lot of work to do on the back end. Even after they would provide me with the rough cut, the, the final cut was, was tricky to do. So the long story short is um, now we are a, a tighter team. There's three of us, um, one editor, myself, and uh, someone who does our administration stuff. And it's, it's a lot more streamlined. Uh, and, and I have found that the best way that I can provide the best product is if I sub these positions out. Um, so we, we, everybody's a sub now. Um, so if I need the best wildlife guy, I have that guy. If I have the, if I need the best food photographer, I have that guy. If I need the best sports guy, I have that guy. And it's better to keep those guys on those paths. And when I need them, we can intersect and, and build the best team for each individual project. Very good. Yeah. Very cool. You went through a few things I want to touch on. You know, when you were early and you were, you said you uh, sent out crews that can lead teams. I'm kind of curious, how did you train them to be at that level to where they can go out to a wedding confidently and capture what you need to edit? 
Well, you said an interesting word, confidently. I don't know that I ever was not extremely nervous the entire time. Um, yeah, because it's your name on the line, you know, when you send a guy out there. Right. So the the redundant memory cards help. Uh, the cameras with with the two memory card slots, um, that that makes it very difficult to lose data. Um, when we had a, a protocol, literally the cards go home in separate cars. So if somebody, you know, the worst case scenario, somebody's car, you know, catches on fire or something, we still have a copy of the data, you know, hopefully, you know, that's really worst case scenario, but redundancies and cookie cutter approaches to things that would give me a lot in my basket to edit in post, um, was, was really the key at the time the microphones were really two touch two button touch and and now their wireless mics are are synced to the camera you know i could build these cameras before the weekend started and and literally give the guys a go bag and they had everything that they needed to to film a wedding properly um a lot of it was just repetition these guys had been shooting b-roll for me forever these guys had been shooting uh b and c camera for me forever so those guys were they knew how to film the the project. The goal was the hardest part was interacting with the bride and groom and keeping those guys extremely comfortable uh, throughout the day. And, and, you know, out of 385 weddings, we had two that I think about when I go to sleep that, um, that keep me up a little bit at night. One of them, we had a uh, police interference in the Wi-Fi, uh, the wireless mic. Uh, And the other one, we had a dual memory card, on the day we had both memory cards fail, but we were able to swap them out for other. We recognized it, but you know it was such a close call. Um, so yeah, it 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 really that's again that's why we scaled way way back from that. It, it was too much output. I was trying to build too much of a machine too quickly, and I was sacrificing not quality in the product, but my nerves. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's a very stressful. Uh spot to be on you know when you send a crew out there and you hope it goes well and then as an editor you get the footage and you're like oh man <laughs> cool uh so the other part was you sub some work to editors and i'm kind of curious how do you keep them in line making sure they have the uh, knowledge they know or sorry the information they need to edit you know because i feel like a lot of information can get lost in translation from video you know, shooting the video and then editing what the final product should look like. Right. So with our weddings and, and like, I, you know, we don't really do that many weddings anymore, but it's, it's an interesting way to do it. Um, our weddings are actually extremely long. Uh, most of these, most of my competition is doing these 15 minute, f- you know, fast paced highlight reels. Uh, and we do that. We, we do the highlight reel and we do uh, like a movie trailer, a very exciting you know, two minutes. Um, and they get that, that, that was a really quick turnaround and they would, you know, go on their honeymoon and come back. And we always tried to have that for lunch on their Monday back. So like you're at lunch, it's your first day back from work, uh, to work rather from the, from the dream honeymoon. And, oh man, look at my inbox. Here's my wedding trailer. So that was a really quick turnaround. And actually that was how we organized our footage. We would, as we were organizing the footage, we would build that the 15 minute cut, you know, that's just, pushing through and editing a, a 15 minute cut. It's, it's probably the hardest part of the wedding, but then the other, the other part of a wedding video, we, we section into five spots. We've got the intro where your bride and groom are getting ready the ceremony. Um, and we never cut away from the ceremony ever. 
Um, so usually we would have three cameras at all times filming the entire ceremony. And what my editors would do is all they would do is line up everything for me. And it's not like you have a slate and we don't have radio transmitted um, uh, time code generators. So it was a lot of the photographer's flashes that we would use uh, to sync up our cameras. So I we would literally just just advance through the timeline until we could see the flash of a camera and we'd know that the that was the right one and we'd sync all of our angles up to that so if my editors could get those synced for me and get the audio synced um then i could go in and do a cut you know and that's so easy camera one camera two camera three and then we'd move on to the post ceremony um photo shoot uh which was a lot of drone work when the drones came out and and we were legally able to do that. Uh, that was a lot of pizzazz in the, in the wedding videos. Um, you know, that, that changed everybody's game. Uh, and then the reception was, again, we never cut away. We never sped anything up. We never slowed anything down. If you wanted to watch your first dance with your dad, it was not going to be slowed down so that we had gaps that we could, we could fix our problems with. We just, all we would do is take another camera angle. Um, and we had to be creative about that in some situations, but you know, once they got everything lined up for me, I could cut those cameras, you know, somebody's wedding video, you could do it in a day. So, so yeah, the, the, the sub editors, and it was always important to find musicians that edit. If, if you can find a drummer that edits, um, they can, they have that natural rhythm and they can cut on the beat of the song, which I know that you're familiar with, but it's, it's hard to describe that uh, skill set. So if you find if you if you do a, a advertisement for drummers that can edit, that's kind of a key word that people can find and you know can respond to. But uh, most of the time, I I would look for drummers or musicians that can edit and that they have that natural flow and they can cut to the song when you know when it's appropriate. Yeah, cool. So I have a question actually about editing weddings then, especially for ceremonies and those intimate moments. What type of approach do you go into the editing? making your cuts because, you know, you want to preserve the emotion, but you don't want to make it too distracting because, you know, if you make too many cuts, it can be distracting. So what are some triggers you look for to make cuts for wedding videography? Yeah, that's, that's a, it's a good question. Um, there are sections, uh, first of all, when it comes to wedding editing, I like to say wedding. Um, (laughs) anyway, um, (laughs) uh, yeah, th- that could be tricky. Um, it's it's a lot. Let's let's talk about the dances, the first dance, um, because that's more of an intimate. Um, it's it's not really intimate because your entire everyone you know is watching you do it. But um, we try to make it as intimate as we can, and and that's a lot of crossfading. Um, and I don't like to overuse crossfading, and I don't like to overuse just just jump cuts either. But if you can get the right shots and you can crossfade it so that it's not distracting, and we try to follow the 180 degree rule if you can, because the bride and the groom are, are rotating the entire time. So that can be tricky as far as following the 180 degree rule. But if you can get, if you can sort of match it, it helps a lot. Um, another angle that I love to use is the low angle. I would literally, the camera is on a monopod and you flip the whole thing upside down and now you're shooting up into the ceiling and you can see the, the crowd behind the, the, the subjects. Um, and with the right depth of field, they're just a little bit blurred out, but that is also, you can use that angle as a way to a show off the dress, show off the tux, um, and, and B 
it just it seems like they're alone in a room where they're they're not alone at all. Um, so again, I think I think the short answer to your question is crossfade without being Olin Mills, um, you know, kind of cheesy. Very cool. Awesome. And do you guys just do weddings or do you do other events as well? We, we almost don't do any weddings anymore. In fact, um, Oh, cool. This is a good transition to, I guess today. Yeah. So the weddings led to friends who needed multi-camera edits. Um, and our first multi-camera edit was a, a September 11th, um, presentation at, at, and from my local community put on a 10 year anniversary to, uh, September 11th, where the County sort of got together and thanked the, um, first responders and, and veterans. And we had sort of celebration and, you know, I had two cameras and it's easy enough to rent a few cameras. Uh, so we had four cameras and I used I couldn't afford a switcher and I didn't even know what a switcher was. What's so funny. I couldn't afford a switcher. So I thought there's gotta be some software out there that exists that I can use to switch this thing. And it turns out that live stream studio has an interface that is exactly like a Roland switcher. The problem was it was out of budget, but we, it, it was kind of pricey at the time, but we, we went for it anyway. And any that led to our first multi-camera production. I didn't have comms for the camera guys. Uh, everybody was just instructed to just point at the subject. Uh, and then I actually had a camera that I, <laughs> I was switching and I had a, a wide angle camera on a tripod that I was, I was controlling myself. And that led to a bunch of Ted talks, uh, and the, the TEDx, um, the, the, like the branches of Ted, uh, and that led to a bunch of Ted talks. And that is big into the multi-camera. The more cameras you have, the better they want cameras looking directly down at the, at the desk that the guys are working on. They want cameras behind the subject shooting the audience they want audience reaction four or five different so again we just use that live stream studio and now we could broadcast live these these webcasts uh, uh these ted talks and at the time they had an interface where you could use your cell phone the audience members could log in and use their cell phone and you could take an audience member's angle it was not the best quality but it was very neat and intimate that Anyway, the world was starting to get set up for me, little Joe Schmo, to be able to sh- film these productions. So that started in about 2013, and it kind of just, you know, now we can we can start thinking about multi-level switchers and and screen management systems and and all kinds of things. But it really just comes down to that live stream studio. Yeah, yeah, very cool. And have you? been able to see more opportunities to make more money transitioning from wedding videography to corporate or do you think there's still some money to be made in like wedding videography though we always joke that that i will always have weddings to fall back on if 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 it ever gets dry the transition financially has been better in that i can work less and make about the same amount of money the corporate events, they cannot fail. There's no, there's no, there, I don't have the availability for redundancy like I have in weddings. Of course, in weddings, you can only do it once. There's only one first kiss. There's only one first dance, but you have it set up so that there's so much that has to fail for a catastrophic failure um, that, that that almost never happens. In a corporate event, if the power goes out to the entire building, that's on me. <laughs> You know, I don't know if the client actually would blame me for it, but in their mind, they're blaming you for it. So it's 
it's high risk, high reward. That's exactly right. And that's where, you know, there's, you know, there's a lot of risk that you're taking on as uh, a videographer and a video editor. So that's why there's more market opportunity there, I think, for you. Right, right. And the teams are bigger and, and there's a lot more moving gears. You know, if a cameraman calls off an hour before the show, what do you do? You know, I guess we f- fall under that umbrella with weddings and events as well, but it, it's more catastrophic when a you know a large member of the pie doesn't come to the table because uh, you know you're talking about repeat work with the same clients, which is really the the goal. You know, when you can get those relationships and you can start to learn the names of the of the the CEOs and you can start to to learn how they behave on stage. And now I'm. I'm forecasting their behaviors and which direction do they like to use? Do they like to sit? Do they like to use a lectern? You know, and I can bring all of that to the table before we even sit down and talk about price. You know, that, that's a, that's a big uh, ace in the hole. Yeah, absolutely. You like weddings are kind of like one and done, but at least with corporate, you know, it's a repeat customer and you get really used to it. We've done a, a number of uh, siblings' weddings, which is always uh, a, a very flattering. You know, you oh. do one, and then the sibling gets married, and you do the other. So that that means you've done something right, I guess. But but with corporate, you know, you go from six hundred clients a year to thirty clients a year. So you know, the, the attention to each client has to be two thousand percent. You cannot, you cannot, um, you don't have any one that's easier than the other. They're just different. Yeah, absolutely. So you've transitioned a lot in your career, and I think this is a good way to wrap up the podcast. Um, What was the biggest, you know, I guess transfer? Because video is always progressing. You know, there's new equipment coming out every day. You know, starting out when you were uh, first starting out from DV, you got into weddings. Now you're doing corporate. Now we're live streaming, you know. What was the biggest hurdle throughout your career so far? The, the the toughest hurdle is the, the gear chase. You always want to buy the best gear. You always want to buy the biggest gear, the best gear. And it's always, you know, I, I tell my wife, she asks me which sandwich I want. I always say the least healthy and the most expensive. I had to find a place that I had the gear that I needed, but maybe I was renting more gear than I was purchasing because, you know, you, you go on some of these, well, you could spend a, Every penny you make, you spend on new gear and you think, okay, I have better gear. It's going to give me a better product, but really no. And, and this is every cameraman for the last 150 years has said, it's, it's not the camera. It's the way you use it. Um, however, there is a little bit better microphone that, that will sound better. And there is a little bit better um, lens filter that will cut out just a little more noise. So learning that chase and learning how not to fall down the pitfalls of the new advertisement for the, the 8k camera that literally we're only shooting for archive footage purposes because no one can view it properly, you know, not falling down those pitfalls and sometimes falling down the right pits has, has been the biggest for me, the biggest challenge. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting. We'll see how, what the future holds, you know, with digital and what the future holds. Do you have any predictions on the future of video? You know, we see these little tiny pinhole cameras, cell phone size cameras, uh, that capture 8k quality footage and, and the sensors, the digital sensors are not even in the body themselves. They're down the wire somewhere else. 
I think that live events are going to shift away from the giant box lens cameras, um, the big setups. They're going to be these small little tripod cameras, six or eight of them around. And then you're literally taking chunks out of each shot. Uh, and your camera guy, your, your switcher has 65 angles to choose from. Motion tracking, facial recognition, all those things are going to come into play. And, and your, your entire package will essentially fit into a large suitcase instead of a semi-truck. You know, and I, I really think that's that's 10 years, 12 years away. Um, so it's very exciting. You know, it, it's it's not a labor breaker because you still need operators and you still need skilled guys to know how to work these things. But it is definitely a labor reducer. And my back is very thankful for that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Because carrying those big cameras all day, you know. Yeah, uh, it's terrible. All right. Well, with that, Bert, I want to thank you for joining me here on the post show today. Thank you, John. Have a good day. That was great and very insightful. Thanks, Bert, again for coming on to the show. If you want to visit his website, the link to his website is below in the show notes. If you like the podcast so far, please follow us and share it with people you believe can benefit from our conversations. You can also go to my website, johnthevideoguy.com forward slash post show to see all of our episodes. We look forward to talking to you soon.